we're going to put on, put on. This was a gift from Missionary Doug. It comes from Kyrgyzstan, and, and I didn't realize this was a Kyrgyzstan hat until someone showed up one, one uh, day during the week. Uh, YWAM Boston brought a man up named Tilik, and he came in wearing a hat like this, and he said, if you ever see someone wearing a hat like this, they're from Kyrgyzstan, because you can only get a hat like this as a gift from someone in Kyrgyzstan. And Missionary Doug brought, brought the hat. He gave it as a gift to Shiloh, so I get to model the hat for all of you. Thank you. Um, but it's amazing what, what Shiloh has been to the missionary, uh, to the missionary work that's happening with, with Doug in Kyrgyzstan and to this, to this uh, community center. Um, Doug is so grateful. We heard from him a couple of weeks ago. So if you'd like to, to uh, get a picture with this hat afterwards, it's our hat. It's not my hat. I'm just holding on to it for all of us. But I'll leave it here. But no one take the hat because it's a prized, uh, prized gift. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, how do you picture God? So when, when you think about what would God look like, what, what vision comes to your mind? So anybody got a picture in their head? This is what Jesus looks like. Now, if, I'm, I'm going to give you what most people think Jesus looks like. And the reason why I know this is, is it's the number one picture that comes up under Google Images when you say, what does God look like? All right. So you're going to see how close do you represent the rest of the world. Right. So if you've got your picture in mind, see how you do. Is this the picture that you have in your head? Yeah, that's the number one picture. Now, that wasn't my picture either. If you're disappointed, don't be, right? I, it wasn't my number one picture. But I, I think there's something about many of us may have grown up hearing God's word. And if you have, that's wonderful. But some of us have not grown up hearing God's word. So how do you picture God? It's, it's really through our experiences and, and through, through life that we get a picture of who God is, maybe from our parents, but a number of years ago, BBC did a, did a, a documentary on who God was, and they, they asked this anthropologist, Richard Neve, he's a forensic anthropologist, to, to come up with a picture of what a Galilean would have looked like at the time that Jesus was. So he went back and looked at fossil records, and, and he wasn't at all portraying this is what Jesus would have looked like, but scriptures tell us that Jesus was a man. He was a man, a Galilean. It doesn't say he was taller than most or, or shorter or he had blonde hair and blue eyes. It, it doesn't tell us what he looked like. So for a moment, I'm just going to show you what a Galilean looked like back in the time of Jesus and maybe you can get a different image in your head of maybe what Jesus would have looked like. So, so what do you think there? That's what a Galilean would have looked like back in the time of Jesus. Now, if you notice the pictures going before about the Kyrgyzstan kids, and you saw they all had straight faces, it's not because they're unhappy. It's because in Kyrgyzstan, when you take a picture, you have a straight face. You don't smile for pictures. That's just not what they do. Here in America, like, we want to smile. We want to show that we're happy. They don't do it over there. When, when they take a picture, they're always like, they'll be laughing and joking, and then time for a picture, and they're all stoic. So, and you may have seen some pictures from different cultures. I think this man here, he's, he looked very stoic, but maybe they had the same thing. When, when, they, when they had a picture, they don't, they don't smile. But the question this morning isn't how we picture God in terms of his, his outward characteristics, but how do you picture God in your heart? Right? What does God mean to you? Do you have faith in God? What is your faith journey like? And in kids' camp, they've been talking about a number of different scenarios. What happens when life is good? And you, hold, you heard all the kids cheer, God is good. And it was so, like it was deafening when we were here during the week, and they, and they would do this, and the kids would chant. It was just so encouraging to hear them chant that. 
But some of us here, as we've grown older and we've gone through life experiences, you know, let's be honest. We may get jaded by our experiences and we're like, yeah, life is unfair. Where is God in that unfairness? Or life is scary. Where is God when life is scary? When life changes, you know what? I don't think this change God intended. So where, where was God? Or when life is sad, where was God? Now, as a pastor, I get asked a number of questions, but probably the most frequent question I get asked is if there's a loving God, then why is there suffering in the world? Why, why do little children have to suffer? If God loves us so much, why does he allow that? Why is there sin? And I'm going to answer that question towards the end of the message, but I'm, I'm understanding that all of us come from different backgrounds, from different faiths perhaps, from, from different walks of life, different experiences. And what I believe and, and what you believe may be different. My picture of God may be different than your picture of God. But for us all to have a consistent picture of God, I, I need to lay a little bit of groundwork. And I want to talk about a unit of measure. So we're all, we all have grown up and we understand that you know, we have rulers. They measure things in inches and, and yards and, and meters if you want to be the metric system. But then there's liquids, and you can't measure a liquid with a ruler, right? You've got to use a liquid measurement for liquids. So we've got cups and pints and quarts or milliliters and centiliters and liters. What about weight? You can't use a ruler to measure how, how much something weighs, right? So, so we understand in the natural that we need an appropriate unit of measure for whatever we're measuring, right? You with me? So then how do we measure spiritual things? What's our unit of measure? And, and you know how I grew up and maybe how you grew up is I would like to measure spiritual things based on my own life experiences. But that's kind of like me taking a ruler and trying to measure how much volume of liquid is, is in a container. I can't do it. It's, it's the wrong measurement system. So I would like to propose this morning that if we want to understand things that are spiritual, we've got to go to the author of who is spiritual. We've got to go to God himself. And God gave us his word, the Bible. So many times I'm asked this question, Greg, I need to know what is it that God's saying to me at this moment? How do I hear God? And I want to give you a very simple way to understand and to discern what is God saying to you. All right, so you may be like on the edge of your seat. How do you hear God this morning? Very simply, you read the Bible. That's it. Because the Bible is God's inspired word. And it's his, it's his guidebook. It's, it's, it's all the words of wisdom and of life that we need. Now, it's not going to tell you, buy the Buick, not the Chevrolet. Don't buy the swampland in Florida. Buy the, buy the beachfront in, in uh, Virginia. It won't tell you those things. But it will tell you how to live your life and give you the guidance that you need. Now, some of us some of you here, you may have had an experience where you felt like you've heard God audibly. And we look at those people and like, you must be Mother Teresa. I, I love the fact that that happens, right? But what if I could share with you a way that all of you could hear God speak audibly to you? Wouldn't you be excited to, to know that way? So I told you, if you want to hear God, you read the word. If you want to hear God audibly, read the word out loud. Okay, that's a joke. Come on, you can laugh with me. Laugh with me. All right, that's good. A little, little crowd participation. That's good. All right, so we're going to look this morning into what does the Word of God have to say as we go through life experiences. So not, not my experience, not your experience, but what, is the, what does God's Word have to say when life is unfair? 
So when I grew up, I was the youngest of eight, and it felt very unfair to me to always be dragged to my brothers and sisters' soccer games and, and campouts that they'd go to, and I'd have to wave goodbye and see them off, and then when they come back, and, and I always had this, why can't I get to do any of the cool stuff? And, and my mom was like, yeah, you're too little, you're too little. And then it seemed when I got old enough, all the fun things were gone. I never got to go camping with the Boy Scouts. I flunked as a Cub Scout. I don't know why, but it wasn't as cool as when my brothers were in it, you know? Um, so I felt like life was unfair. But that's when I was a kid. We've all grown up. We, we, we understand those things now. But I have a new definition of unfair. I, I've had the privilege of going to Haiti. We partnered with a, with a children's home there. And as I go to Haiti, I, the, the first trip I went, I came back with such a resounding question. Why did I get to be born in America? And, and why did other people get born in the country that they're born in? Because if I was born in Haiti, my life would be so different than what it is today. Like, why are we blessed to be born in America and other people don't have the opportunity and privilege to, to live in a country like we have? But it's not about my experience or your experience. That The people of Haiti, just like the people in America, they believe in, in God Almighty. And this is what God's word says. The Lord is good. He's a strong refuge when trouble comes. And this is what I found in the Haitian church. They have a strong faith because they've put their trust in Jesus and they see Jesus come through every day of their lives. They, some of them may look at a, a people that are American and say, you know, give me one dollar. We hear that sometimes from the little kids. But we know in America, it's not money that makes you happy, although some of us would like to try, right? We could always think, if, if I had more money, maybe I'd be happier. But you know what? People in Haiti are extremely happy because they've got the Lord. So the Lord is good. He's a strong refuge when trouble comes. What about when life is scary? I had an opportunity a couple years ago. My son was a missionary to Malawi. And, and he contracted malaria. See, when we go on mission trips where malaria is, we can take malaria meds. But when you're in a country long term, you can't keep taking the medicine. It, it affects your liver and it affects your kidneys. So he was using bug nets and doing what he could, but he still contracted malaria. And not being a local, he didn't have the antibodies. Like if a local gets malaria, it's kind of like a flu. It's not a big deal, maybe a cold even. But when he got malaria, the antibodies were just growing and the parasites were growing and... and uh, he had to be hospitalized. He was just wiped out. So they, they give him one antibiotic, and that antibiotic isn't working. The parasites, every day they do another smear, the parasites are growing. They give him another antibiotic, different one, and it's still, the, the, the parasites are still growing, and he's like, you've got to pray. And I'm, I'm thinking, what do we do? Because he's starting to get delirious, and he's, he's seeing things that aren't happening, and and I'm like, do I leave and go to, to, to Malawi? Do I try to get him airlifted to South Africa? And, and you know what? As the church started to pray, God turned the situation around in a miraculous way, and he, and he recovered. But what do we do when life is scary? That was a scary moment for me. But it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I don't have to be afraid because you're close beside me. You know, when, when my son was young, I dedicated him to the Lord, and I prayed in that moment, God, Dan is yours. Like, it's, it's not for me to determine what happens in his life. It's for you to determine what happens in his life. And, and I, could, I could, even in my darkest valley, not be afraid because God was close. So what happens when life changes? And if you ever go through a job change, and if you ever get married, right? And if you ever moved, they talk about those as the three biggest changes that we can go through in life that adds stress to our life. You never thought, if you're not married, you never think getting married is going to be a stressor. But those of you that have gone through the wedding planning and the wedding day, yeah, it's pretty stressful. 
But what happens when life changes and it's not, a, not what we might consider a positive change? Suppose you lose your job, right? Suppose you're walking through a divorce. Suppose a loved one dies, your mother, your father, someone you're really close to dies. Those are changes in life that, God, are you still good during those changes? And Psalm 106 says this, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. The one word I want to point out in that scripture is faithful. See, God, is, God never promises us a rose garden. He never says things are going to be wonderful when you put your hands and put your life in my hands. But he says this, that he'll never leave us or forsake us and his faithful love will endure forever. He will always be there for, for, for sustaining us. It says when life is sad, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I, I found this out firsthand. My, my dad passed away when I was 17. That's so many years ago I can hardly even remember. But you know, at that point as a, as a kid, I felt like my world was crashing in around me. Who was going to teach me how to drive? Would I ever go to college? Why didn't I get to have the opportunities that my older brothers and sisters had where, where they had a dad and now I didn't have a dad? He got them through college. He got them launched in life. Who was going to be there for me? But you know what? God came through in a huge way. I didn't realize it at the moment. But now when I look back, I'm like part of who I am today is because of the experiences and trusting God through those experiences and knowing that, okay, God, I've seen you move, but you're going to move again in such, a, such an impactful way in my life. He was close to the brokenhearted. Now, maybe some of us are here today and you would say life is good. Anybody here? Life is good. Anybody got the t-shirt? Life is good, right? I, I love the t-shirt. T-shirt, life's are good because it reminds us that, okay, life, life isn't all horrible for many of us. We, we do have things that are good. If, if you ever think you don't have enough here in America, take a trip with me to Haiti and you'll be very grateful for what you have. You'll be very grateful for running water, for a flushing toilet, right? Those kinds of things. We take it for granted. But we have such a good life. Now, there's a danger in having a good life. And here's the danger. We might think, well, it's because of what I've done and how hard I've worked and the discipline I've had that I've able to accomplish all I've accomplished in my life. And you know, if we ever get to that point, we're, we're totally missing who God is. We, we need to recognize that we've got to remember the Lord who is great and glorious is what Nehemiah says. So I, I can also look, 1 Corinthians talks about this, when you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. It's, it's not when you're already sliding down the, the slope that you start taking heed. It's when we think we stand, when we think things are really good and life is great. Hey, don't, don't ever be prideful because Proverbs says pride goes before the fall. So we, we remember God who is great and who is glorious. So we all have had our experiences. We've all got our picture of God perhaps based on our construct, what, what, what our life's journey has been. But faith is also a journey. Faith is something that's got a starting point and then it's a path we live in, in our lives. And some of us here may be on that faith journey. Some of us here may not have even started our faith journey. And, and one of the reasons why people sometimes are hesitant to start the faith journey is this question. Why does God allow sin? You know what? I could believe in a God or I could trust in a God, but if he allows sin and he allows suffering, it doesn't sound like the, any kind of God I want to serve. So now, to answer this question, I need to help you understand the Bible. Because as we talked before, it's the Bible that's the inspired Word of God. That's how God speaks to us today, is through His Word. One of the ways He speaks to us. So in the Bible, you'll find this. There's an Old Testament, and there's a New Testament. And the God you see, if you read through all the Old Testament, 
It's kind of harsh. It's a, it's a lot of rules. It's a lot of laws. It talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if, if you do something to damage your neighbor, that same damage should come to you. If, if, uh, if you have sin in your life, it says that there's only one way to atone for sin or, or to, to have, have a confession and forgiveness of sin, sin, and that's through shed blood of an animal. So in the Old Testament, they sacrificed hundreds of thousands of sheep and goats. Aren't you glad you don't live in the times back then where they had to sacrifice so many different animals? Now, in the New Testament, we learn something different. Jesus comes, and, and the Bible says this about Jesus, that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is one sacrifice for all, for all mankind's sin. That if we would look to the cross of Jesus Christ, we don't have to kill a bull, we don't have to kill a sheep for that shed blood. It's Jesus' shed blood on the cross. So then why does God allow sin? This is what Romans tells us. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. See, if we didn't have sin in this world, we wouldn't understand what grace was. We would just take it for granted. But because we see sin, because we see suffering, then when we know there's a Savior that comes to rescue us from that sin, that there's a Savior who gave His life for us to pay the penalty for our sin, we can appreciate what, what God is and who He is. See, God, God didn't design us all as robots that we would just go and automatically love Him and serve Him. But He gives us a choice. He gives us a free will. And we see sin in the world because that's what human, humankind has brought into the world. Now the question is this, what will you do with it? Will you hold on to your sin or will you lay your sin at the foot of the cross? If I look forward to, to John 16, it says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Okay, so if you've got trials and sorrows today, God told you you were going to have trials and sorrows. He, he's not trying to say, you won't, you won't have any, any issues of life if you come to me. He's like, you're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrows. But take heart, be of good cheer, it says in another translation, because I have overcome the world. This is Jesus' words to us, his followers. Now, what if you've grown up and you've never believed in God? And you would say, Greg, you know, I understand your unit of measure and all that, but I just don't buy it this morning because I believe when you're dead, you're dead. You know, dust to dust, we, we all just return to the earth and that's it. So what, what if we don't believe this morning? You know what? I totally can appreciate that there's some of us here, we don't have a faith. We haven't started a faith journey. That's wonderful that you'd even be here and have brought your kids to kids camp. But I'm going to ask a, a friend of mine, Jason, to come on up. And I want Jason just to share what his life experience is because it may mirror your life experiences if, if, you, if you're not walking with the Lord or don't believe in God. Jason, come on up. Share a minute. Good morning, Shiloh. So, Greg uh, is right about that. I know a lot of you sitting out there says, wow, it's probably easy for this guy. He's a pastor. His life's good. What problems can he have? Is God really going to help someone like me? Well, he will. Me. Ex-gang member. Drug dealer addict. Fought. I've been shot twice. My brother was murdered in 2013. I was hit by a car in 2014 into a guardrail over 100 miles an hour. Broke everything, coma, heart stopped multiple times. My whole life was about me. If something happened because it was great, it was me. Something happened because it was bad, blame God. Didn't believe God, didn't know God, but blame God. I know I'm not the only one out there. Then 
more and more kept happening in my life. And kids camp came. And my Uncle Rock and my Aunt Casey said, just bring the kids there. Give it a try. Okay, what, what, what can we lose? I've lost everything in my life. Because of my accidents, I lost jobs. We've lost homes. I've lost vehicles. So I, I promise I'm in there with some of you. Kids camp came. We brought our kids. They loved it. Loved it all week. Yelled at us pretty much, me and my fiance. You got to bring us to Sunday. See what happens on a Sunday. We brought them a Sunday. Now, did life change right away? No. Did all of a sudden I come into church and, wow, here's 100 bucks I found and 10 jobs came in? No. No, it really didn't. But the more I stood in my faith, the more I listened to my elders, other speakers, my pastors, I really started to listen with my heart, not just my head, not just my ears. And in doing so, things started to change in my life. And that's when I really started to notice how good God truly is, how good God always has been. Because I think about it, man, that stunk. I was shot twice, but I'm alive. I was hit in a motorcycle accident. I was never supposed to come out of that coma or walk again. I'm walking. God is good. There is nothing that we're ever going to go through without our faith that God is not going to be there for, and I promise you that. I am a living, walking example. My life was never always good. I'm nowhere near Pastor Greg, but in God's eyes, I'm just right there next to him. And that's what's important. That's what matters. So for anyone here, truthfully, that thinks your life isn't where it needs to be and can be, just practice a little bit of prayer. Do it by yourself. You know where I started? I started locking myself in a bathroom, turn a shower on because I felt weird. I don't want to hear people hear me talking. Who are you talking to? What's going to happen? Anything, any little thing. Take your dog out to the bathroom, pray. Please don't take two hours. Any little thing, a prayer is a step in the right direction, I'm telling you. And every time you do it, you're going to start to feel that change. I promise. So honestly, thank you for giving me even a couple minutes to bend your ear. And just remember in the end, honestly, God is good. Thanks, Jason. So I mentioned earlier that life is a faith journey, right? But every journey, you've got to have a starting point and a destination point. You know, if, if I don't understand when I put into ways where I'm going and, and where I'm starting from, it doesn't know where, how to locate me, right? So, so what has your faith journey been? Some of us, we're on a faith journey. And, and at Shiloh, we know our, our journey looks like this. We come to know God. And then as we know him and we experience him, we find freedom. As God gives us freedom from, from our past and from, from different baggage and things that we're holding on to, we can discover the purpose that he's, he's made us to be. It's an amazing thing when you realize, I'm not just here on this earth to live my life and to die. I'm here to accomplish a purpose and when we understand what our purpose is and we start to make a difference, that's the most amazing thing in the world. Like, why do we have so many volunteers here at Shiloh? Because people have, have, have started to understand that it's not just about living for ourselves. It's about giving and, and, and trying to fulfill the purpose that God has created us to, to live for. And as we come together, we can do amazing things. So how do you get started in a faith journey? Right? I, I grew up in a religion. I'm not asking you what religion you are this morning as you come to Shiloh. I'm not asking you to join a church because you can't join this church. We don't have membership. We've got ownership. But what I am asking is, where are you in your faith journey? See, if someone asked me when I was younger, 
what does it mean to know God? I'd be like, uh, I just go to church on a Sunday morning, right? That's, that's all it was for me. But that isn't, there's more to knowing God than going to a church. That's what I want to tell you. This is what the word says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. See, some of us, we've believed in God, but we believed in God in our head. It's not been in our heart. So what's the difference this morning? What's the difference between a head knowledge of God and a heart knowledge, a heart belief in God? The difference is who's behind the wheel, right? You ever hear that old country song, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, right? If, If you're still driving and you're still behind the wheel of your life, you haven't given your life over to God. But the, but the moment you say, God, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm going to move over to the passenger seat. And Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take the will of my life. I'm going to be all in, God. I'm, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do my best to, to follow your ways and your will. That's when you know you started to believe in your heart. And see, like for Jason, it starts small. You, you don't go from zero to 100 in five seconds. It, it's, it's a progress. Our faith is a journey. But it does have a starting point. And this morning, I'm going to give each of us an opportunity to either start in our faith journey or to continue our faith journey because we're going to pray together as we close the service. And as we pray, we're going to ask God again to come into our hearts and come into our lives. See, I, I never understood this growing up. I thought to be close to God, I just needed to come to church. But see, to be close to God, you've got to give your life to Jesus Christ. You've got to recognize that he died on the cross for you. And how do you do that? You do that simply by praying. You do that by praying from your heart, even as the scripture says, you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. And then God says that we're saved. So in a moment, actually, why don't we all stand because we're, we're going to pray here. But as we pray, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, if you bow your head and close your eyes. Now, some of you would say to me, Greg, I'm in a faith journey. Well, you know what? I want to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life to the Lord today. Because sometimes we find in our journey, we walk away from God and God wants us all to come back. So if you're here this morning and this is a a recommitment time, it's a reminder time for you as we pray, I'd like you to raise your hand and just openly declare before the Lord, just between you and him, God, I'm rededicating my life to you. All right, thank you. And if you're here this morning and, and this is news to you, you, you didn't realize that faith has a starting point. Faith has an initiation point where we need to pray and ask God into our lives. And that's something you'd like to pray with me as well. Would you raise your hand and let me know and let God know, Greg, I'm, I'm giving my life to God. Thank you. I see those hands. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So let's, as, as we've got our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray together. Would we all repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. And I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. And I give you my life today. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you take the wheel of my life? Would you help me develop a relationship with you, God? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, thank you. So as we close the service today, I want to say this. If, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I have a gift for you. It's a little book here. And I'll have some people up here afterwards ready to hand this out to you. It's called Living in Christ. See, when I started a relationship with, with my wife, she wasn't my wife day one. She was just a friend. 
But it was only as I spent time with her and got to know her, and then we got engaged, and then we got married. See, relationships grow. We understand that in the natural. It's the same way in developing a relationship with Jesus. To live with Christ, it has a starting point. We just prayed today. That's the starting point. But that's not the ending point. We, we need to stay in community. We need, to, we need to start reading God's word. We need to understand that God wants a relationship with us. But, but how does it work? This book will tell you how it works. We'd love to give it to you as, as we close the service. So feel free to come up afterwards. We'll have people here that, that will give you the book. But I'd like to invite you now all to go downstairs and uh, join us for the hot dog lunch. First, you've got to pick up your kids. So they'll all be waiting for you. That's wonderful. You still have time to come get a book because we're ending about a couple minutes early. So get your book. Head over next door. Meet us downstairs. It's a lot cooler downstairs. And then we've got bounce houses and we'll have spray guns and stuff to keep your kids cool. So thanks so much for coming. Have a great day. You want a picture?